You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by the Bears blog, Bill Zimmerman, with you. And that's right, football is back. Oh, what a good feeling. I know it's not quite real football, it's preseason football, but for those of us hungry for any kind of football we can get, we'll take preseason football over nothing at all. The Bears got their first preseason game under their belts, and no surprise, Matt Nagy, very limited with any key players being out there on the field. Couldn't even believe that Mitch Trubisky was allowed to step foot on the field at that point. I know he did basically nothing, but still, not what I would have expected from Matt Nagy, but limited guys out there, but the the Bears fall to the Carolina Panthers, but like we know, it doesn't really matter because what matters is what's coming up here in about a month, and that is week one. Green Bay Packers. So, you know, there's there's not too much to get into from the preseason game last night. Obviously, this roster is so deep. There's not really that many open spots on the 53 anyway. I'd say six or seven spots. I think there's at least 44, 45 players who are locked into their positions already. So, you know, those those preseason games may help the, the coaches a little bit in terms of who is going to grab those last spots. But the one thing that jumped out for me, two things, I guess I should say, that jumped out to me for this game uh, against the Carolina Panthers. The first one is David Montgomery. Didn't get a chance to see him too much, but the little bit he was out there, he showed you something. That that player is going to bring a completely different dynamic to this offense than Jordan Howard did. And I know Bears fans, a lot of them love Jordan Howard. I get it. When the Bears had nothing, he was everything to this franchise. I get it. His rookie year was fantastic. His second year was very good. Last year, we know what it was. And look, Jordan Howard, he had some issues with the team. He had some issues with performance. And the bottom line was there just wasn't a fit with Matt Nagy's offense. And to be honest, Jordan Howard doesn't fit a lot of offenses. If this was 1990, Jordan Howard might be one of the top five running backs in the NFL. If he was getting 24 carries a game and being able to grind out yards and offensive lines or wearing down defensive lines, if we were still playing in that NFL, Jordan Howard has a role. But Jordan Howard in today's NFL is a very limited role, and that is what the Eagles are going to try and do with him. The Eagles did not pick him up to be a feature back. I don't think they ever even considered it. They knew what they wanted to do in the draft, and they got Miles Sanders. So the Jordan Howard, I don't know if he's going to be goal line, short yardage, just kind of spelling uh, Sanders in certain situations. Jordan Howard's not getting 200, 250 carries with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
despite what Bears fans think he is capable of in a, in a lot of ways. So Jordan Howard's limited skill set in Philadelphia and what David Montgomery brings to this team is exactly what Matt Nagy wants as his running back. And he's going to be able to really shine in this offense. And what he's going to be able to do is he's going to be able to take the bulk of the carries in that running back position. And what does that mean? That means Matt Nagy can do a lot of different things with Tariq Cohen, with Cordell Patterson. He's going to have so many different looks, so many different packages, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to keep showing throughout the season. He wants to keep showing different looks, different personnel packages to defenses, so they are always surprised as to what he is showing them. So I'm very excited about what David Montgomery can bring to this team, and I'm excited about this defense. Yeah, 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 we know the defense is the best defense in the NFL, hands down. And we hear all this about regression, and in fact, Tom Waddle is going to be on the podcast here coming up in a few minutes, and I will talk to him about the defense and regression and see what he thinks about that, because I get it from a mathematical perspective. It certainly does not seem like the Chicago Bears can repeat the performance from last year, but. The bottom line is Chuck Pagano is a more aggressive defensive coordinator than Vic Fangio. He's going to try and go after the quarterback more, pressure the quarterback more, try and cause more turnovers. That's what Pagano's going to try and do. So to say, well, they can't do it again. I can't look. The logic in your brain says, yeah, they cannot get, you know, mid 30s turnovers and, and do what they did last year. It's just mathematically impossible. But. They're going to be in a position to do it. If they stay healthy, if this defense is what it is and what we expect it to be, there is no reason that they can't come close or reach or even maybe exceed what they were able to do the previous year. So let's not just assume regression. And the one thing I saw in that Carolina Panther game on defense that I really liked was that Roquan Smith sack because Roquan is with his speed and his athleticism, that is someone Pagano is going to be able to utilize. And I think Roquan Smith could be looking at six, seven, eight sacks this year. I really like what Pagano is going to be able to do with him. There's going to be a lot of different blitzing packages. Buster Screen, who I am not a fan of, but in terms of blitzing, run support, some of the stuff that Screen's going to be able to bring to the table, Pagano is going to be able to use him as well. So while I don't put a lot of stock in the preseason games, I did like what I saw from Montgomery out there. I did like what I saw from Pagano in terms of what he's going to do with Roquan Smith. So before I get to our guy, Tom Waddle, I did want to just bring up one other thing. And, you know, you beat a dead horse with this, but that is it's Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not going to get into Mitch Trubisky in terms of expectations for this season. I'm going to get into the reporting of Mitch Trubisky. And I get it. The quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. It's not even close. So when you have a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, who is in a word, I guess, controversial because nobody seems to agree as to what type of quarterback he is. You're going to get a lot of different opinions. You're going to get a lot of deep people, you know, commenting on things they may or may not know. And what you're going to get is you're going to get a narrative. And that narrative is one that Trubisky is going to take years. It's not going to take this season. It is going to take years for Mitch to change that narrative about him. And that is that he may not be good enough to win a Super Bowl. And if Mitch Trubisky, let's say the Bears have a fantastic year and they win the Super Bowl. You know what we're gonna hear? The Bears won the Super Bowl despite Mitch Trubisky. It's gonna take a long time for Trubisky to iron out that narrative. Maybe he never will. Maybe Mitch will still be plagued with a little inconsistencies here and there. 
and, and that will constantly be what other people are highlighting about who he is as a quarterback. Now, I don't know why that's the case, because look, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but Mahomes, a phenomenal quarterback, but he has the inconsistencies and the terrible throws as well as any young quarterback would. So why people want to ignore some of the BBs that Trubisky throws, some of the great deep balls, his athleticism, his ability to escape, why they want to ignore all this and and talk about Mitch's weaknesses is beyond me, but it is what it is. So now we get to training camp in Mitch's third year in the league, and we are going to overanalyze every throw in practice. I mean, come on, do it. Every throw, Mitch is short here, Mitch is long here, Mitch missed here. I get it. Mitch Trubisky is in practice in training camp. This is where he's going to work on mechanics, get his hips in the right positions, work on his footwork, try and adjust how, you know, he floated some deep balls last year and, and, and missed some targets high. Mitch has got to work on that and readjust some of his, his, his release points and everything. You, you can't just sit there and overanalyze practices with Mitch Trubisky. So then we get to scrimmages with the defense, and people are complaining that Mitch Trubisky going up against the best defense in the NFL has some issues. Is he going to face a better defense during the regular season than what he's getting at practice? No. So why are we so concerned with every throw this guy is making? Just let him practice, let him develop, and let's get to week one against Green Bay and see where he is. I think we all expect some growth from Mitch Trubisky this year, so please, let's not over, and I feel like Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice. Practice, man. I mean, let's not overanalyze every single thing this guy is doing in practice. I, I just can't believe how much I've seen here the last few weeks. We need to relax. <sighs> okay. I've yelled enough. I'm sure you've all tuned into this podcast, not for me, but for the guest. He is the host of Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago. He is Tom Waddle, legendary former Chicago Bear, nice enough to join the podcast. Tom, Bill Zimmerman, how are you today? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you? I think I'm more well-known for being a radio host these days than I was a football player because it was so long ago. But you know what? To be recognized at all is a good thing. Hey, there you go. Absolutely. And, you know, I've got a theory since, since, since you brought that up. I, I have a theory about Chicago Bears fans because it seems a lot of years – the Daniel Bravermans, the Tanner Gentrys come up, they get a little love in the preseason, and the fans fall in love with them. My theory is that the fans are looking for the next Tom Waddle. Wow. Uh, that's, you know what? That, that's very flattering, but um, I don't know. I think, in, in all honesty, I think this great group of fans truly recognizes, you know, effort and a dedication to the craft and trying hard. And obviously there's a blue collar mentality in this city as well. So I think they see a lot of themselves in guys like me. They probably are as fast and can jump as high as I could as well. So it's like a piece of them out on soldier field doing something that I was so blessed to be given a chance to do. Yeah. Very, very cool. And you know, before I get into the bears, let, let me ask me ask your thoughts on preseason, because we know Matt Nagy's very vocal about how he doesn't want any of his guys playing. I was shocked. Even Mitch Trubisky went out there to put a couple handoffs, but you know, so there's talk about reducing preseason to two games. Where are you on something like that as a player who, you know, took a while to, to catch on and those training camps and preseasons, I would think you, you feel were critical for your career. What do you think about reducing preseason? Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn, to be honest with you, because of the things you mentioned. Look, 
This was my this is my money making time, especially week three and four of the preseason, through the third and fourth preseason games. That's where I was actually able to to try and impress the coaches. So I, I thought it was vital for my particular situation. Overall, though, I, I mean, as I take a step back several decades later, I, I don't think it's necessary to play four preseason games. Um, I think when everyone does their risk reward. Uh, kind of evaluations, they realize the risk isn't worth the reward of of finding your rhythm in in the preseason if it's for your ones and twos or at the very least, um, you know, for guys trying to make the back 10 or 15% of the roster. So I I guess, you know, to make a long story short, what I would be an advocate of is two preseason games, but each team practicing with another team at some point during the course of the of the training camp because I thought though we got a, a ton of stuff out of working for working with rather the New Orleans Saints when I go back and and think about my experience but I think you can get so much out of working with another team not necessarily in a preseason game but over the course of a two-hour practice and then you go out and you do it again and and I think if teams would be more open to practicing against one another in training camp, I think that, that they they may be able to get more out of that situation. They may be able to evaluate, as I said, the bottom 10 or 15% of the roster doing that as opposed to playing preseason games three and four. Yeah, I, I really like that idea. I think that makes a lot of sense. Those uh, those joint practices can go a long way, unless you're Aaron yeah. Rodgers. We know he doesn't like them too much. But, uh, <laughs> um, I, I know you were down at Bourbon A a little bit, and, and, and before we get in the training camp... I, you know, you look at this roster in these last couple of years, it's been a lot different than it's been for the Bears for a very long time. Obviously, we know how talented this roster is. When you look at this roster and knowing there's not a lot of bottom of the roster spots even available at this point, how talented is this roster to you? Is it more or less talented than like the Lovey Bears? And going back to, you know, I know you kind of started tail end of kind of the Ditka 85 Bears when they were winding down. Can we even right. think about putting the talent this team has? back to those teams as well? Well, what I would say is is I think there's more balance across the roster. Where there have been moments in time, obviously the 85 Bears group, and I got there in 89, and there were still several of the elite players playing at a high level from that that team. Mike Singletary was still there, Stevie Michael, Dan Hampton, Richard Dad, Sean Gale. I mean, there was a bulk of guys that were still there. Um, I think then you segue into the Brian Urlacher years with Lance Briggs and Mike Brown and Peanut Tillman, and, and then you had a dominant defense there. And obviously what we've seen in one short year here with Matt Nagy in charge, we saw a dominant defense again last year. They led the league in pretty much every statistical category, and I can't find a weakness in anything that they do on that side of the ball. But very rarely has this Bears organization been able to complement that defense with an above-average offense. Now, you go back to the 85 Bears, and I do believe, uh, I think one of the dirty little secrets that no one really knows is, I believe the Bears were number one or number two in scoring offensively in that Super Bowl year. So with Walter and, and, and some other you know dynamic things they had going for them, they could score some points. But I would say from that point to this point, I've never seen a more complete roster. Now, Obviously, the growth of Mitch Trubisky is is the most important commodity of all. But Ryan Pace has done a really nice job putting talented players around Mitch in that huddle. Tight end position with free agency with Trey Burton. They used the draft and free agency to upgrade their wide receiver position. The offensive line has been settled as well. So 
you add in Matt Nagy as a, a really dynamic play caller, and I guess I, I would think that this is the most complete Bears roster that I've seen since I came to Chicago in 1989. Wow. So since you brought up Mitch, let me go there next. Obviously, anyone who follows the Bears knows how critical not just Chicago is, you know, of every throw of every play that that Mitch does, but the national media also seems to be obsessed with him. So where are you at Mitch Trubisky after what you saw with his growth year two entering year three? Hear a lot about practices that he's up and down and inconsistent. But, you know, it's it's training camp. I'm sure they're, they're trying out new things, working on mechanics with him. What do you what did you see with Mitch last year? What are you expecting from Mitch this year? Well, I'll start with this. I think that it's really obvious that there is a there's a split in terms of how people think about Mitch. On the national front, there's more caution. And I get it. If you go back and you look at Mitch's plays, how he played, rather, in, in the nationally televised games, whether they were Thursday night games or Monday night games, he really, I believe there was four games, and, and it wasn't his best effort over the course of what I thought was a good season for Mitch last year. So I get it that, that there are skeptics. Those of us who watch him more closely on a day-in and day-out basis, we see the intangibles. We see that the kid works harder than anybody or as hard as you would ever want your quarterback to work. He's a tremendous leader. Guys love him. He's adapted to this offense. He's wildly athletic. So we see some of the other stuff that maybe others aren't focusing on consistently. Now, with that said, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I, from the very beginning, I warned Bears fans to be patient because if you look at Mitch's timeline, he, he came from a college system where he was only a starter for one season. Then he steps into the NFL in an offensive huddle that had very little to no talent in it in a very simplistic offensive scheme. Then he gets to year, year two of his NFL career, and now he's got a guy like Matt Nagy and more talent around him and you expect a jump, and I think we saw that. I think we saw Mitch do some dynamic things last year. I think we saw him make progress. I think you saw in the final quarter of the, the playoff game that they lost to the Eagles, you saw some things that excite you. I think what, from my perspective, you've seen, you've seen, some, you've seen enough good from Mitch to know he's not going to be a quote-unquote bust. I think Mitch is going to be a good quarterback. I think he'll make incremental progress, as Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have basically said that's what their goal is. Where his ceiling is, I don't know. I don't know that you'll ever get a Patrick Mahomes type of performance from him. I don't know if he'll ever be elite. I think he'll get better. I would never put restrictions on him. I just can't tell you right now that he's poised for greatness because I need to see more. And quite frankly, he I've dubbed 2019 the year of Mitch because – as dominant as that defense is, the NFL year after year tells you there is some regression. Will they be able to take the ball away 36 times? Will they stay as healthy as they were last year? Odds are no. They may take a small step back on those two fronts. So the improvement has to come from somewhere. And in my book, it has to come from Mitch. So um, cautiously optimistic, I guess, to, to circle back and make a, uh, you know, a long answer a little bit more concise. I think he's good. I don't know if he'll ever be great, but I think what you'll see in 2019 is better than what you saw in 2018, and that, to me, makes him a legit Super Bowl contender.
Yeah, a- absolutely. I-, I agree with everything you've said there. And since you brought up the defense, let's let's jump off of Mitch and jump over there, kind of focus on Chuck Pagano, because the theme the entire offseason, whether it's John Fox on ESPN or a lot of the, the writers a- a- across the country, is regression. You know, they lose Fangio. Fangio was a weapon. There's no way they can repeat these type of performances. And you say mathematically it seems almost impossible. While at right. the same time, Pagano should be bringing in a more aggressive scheme, more blitzing, you know, some, some you know, Buster Screen, perfect example of a guy who may not fit certain molds, didn't wasn't great with the Jets, but in a more aggressive scheme, looks like he may be a, a fit there. So what do you think Pagano is going to bring to the table that's a little different than what we saw with Vic Fangio? Well, I actually think you saw it. And by the way, I, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't say how much I appreciated what, what Vic helped this team accomplish as a Bear fan and a former member of the team, it was so much fun to watch that defense play. And, and Vic deserves a lot of credit for working that group along and helping them perform at the level that they did. We saw some of what Vic's going to do differently in, in the preseason game against the Carolina Panthers, where on the first snap or the first couple of snaps, you saw Roquan Smith come flying in on a blitz from his middle linebacker position. That's what you're going to get. I think Chuck is an accomplished defensive mind. He knows what he's got. He's probably giddy with excitement with how he can use these guys. I think guys will. You'll see a more aggressive style. You'll see more blitzing. You may see more man coverage. Um, I think there will be a bit of a transition. I think it'll be a smooth transition because there is so much talent, and this isn't isn't Chuck's first rodeo. Uh, But, again, to go back to the regression, regression is not necessarily a dirty word. I mean, if they regress, it doesn't mean it's going to be catastrophic. I just don't – you know, they had 27 interceptions last year. They took it away 36 times. There was only two teams in the league that were healthier than them. I just don't know in this league that that can – you can do that so well year after year. So maybe their, their takeaways are, you know, they're decreased by five or seven. Maybe they have a couple more guys nicked up and not able to play as much. But even with that said, I mean, this is a top three to five defense, even if things aren't going their way. So, yeah, I think that they'll be more aggressive with Chuck. I think there will be a bit of a feeling out process early in the season, but uh my expectation is that it'll be a pretty smooth and seamless transition from Vic to Chuck Pagano. I, I would agree there. And, and since you brought up Roquan in the, in the preseason game with the Carolina Panthers, I agree. I think Roquan's a, a sneaky guy to maybe get six, seven sacks this year. I think yep. with his speed and everything, Pagano's going to utilize him in, in some ways we didn't see last year. But since you brought up the game, David Montgomery, we you know, he was out there briefly. We saw some some nifty little moves and, and shiftiness that he brings that Jordan Howard didn't. What do you think yep. about the running back group moving forward with Montgomery looking like he's going to get the lion's share of the uh, – of the carries compared to last year with Jordan Howard, who, you know, as great as he was those first couple seasons, obviously didn't fit well in Nagy's offense and was limited with what he could do. I think Matt's finally got a running back room that fits his system. And, and I echo what you said. Jordan Howard had two very good years uh, under John Fox. Last year in Matt's system, he averaged less than four yards per carry and really wasn't a, a big threat in the passing game. And, you know, I think that had Matt, been in charge or been a part of the organization when when guys were being drafted a couple of years ago. I'm not sure they would have taken Jordan Howard. I'm not sure they would have taken Adam Shaheen, the tight end, not because they're not quality football players, but because I don't believe they fit the uh, the system. So with that said, I think we got glimpses of what David Montgomery's capable of in the preseason game. Patient runner, good vision, got a burst, 
smart guy, comes to work every day, fits the system. I think they feel he can be their version of Kareem Hunt, the football player that we saw in Kansas City. Um, I think Mike Davis was a nice addition that will do some of the same things, and I think this will give them the ability to move Tariq Cohen around a whole lot more. So I think Matt Nagy is probably as excited about what he has in his backfield as he has anywhere else on his uh, on his offensive uh, depth chart right now. So David Montgomery looks to be a, a guy that is really going to fit nicely in this system and help them become more efficient. People forget it. As creative as Matt was and as nice as things looked at times last year, this offense ranked 21st in yards per game. They were middle of the pack in a lot of offensive efficiency um, measurements. So there is some improvement that, that should and can be made or can and should be made this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a lot of versatility there. You know, you, you brought up what they can do with Cohen. Patterson's going to be another guy that's going to be all exactly. over the field. Should be a lot of fun to see what Nagy can do with this group here. So, and, and something that we hope is fun and certainly wasn't last year, I'll just say this quickly. Kicker, your thoughts. <laughs> you know, uh, kickers, uh, one of my best friends when I was playing was Kevin Butler. He was a, uh, I lived, we were neighbors back in, in the suburbs of Chicago as well. So I have an affinity for kickers. One of my other good friends was Chris Gardaki, who was the punter. So I like the kickers. So I'm not one of these guys that ignores them. <laughs> But with that said, I like them when they, you know, they hit the vast majority of their, their attempts. Uh, you know, I, there was a lot made in the offseason and, and in, in Bourbon A and training at camp about the competition. Uh, let's be honest. The competition in Bourbon A in the offseason is meaningless until you get to the, the preseason games because that's, that's the most legitimate competition you're going to get prior to the regular season starting. And, um, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure that the guy that will line up a kick for them is on the roster right now, but I would say advantage Elliott Fry at this point. Yeah, I, I would have said it was Pinheiro, but after uh, after the game with the Carolina, you got to give the edge to Fry. But I, I'm with you. I don't know if it's Vedvik from, from the Ravens or maybe the loser right. from the Browns kicking competition, but there's probably someone out there that's going to be a better option than what the pairs currently have uh so just a couple more before i let you go uh, i know you were down in bourbon a i was going to get to that earlier and then we kind of drifted to some other things anything any newcomers rookies or a- anyone that stood out maybe from last year to this year maybe that you saw some big leaps any any players that you say hey this is a this is a guy to watch well i would give you several and 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 i think the the one rookie is david montgomery because he's going to play a vital vital role um I like the kid Javon Wims, the second-year receiver from, from Georgia. He's got good size, works hard. I think he played a little bit in the, in the tail end of last season and was able to contribute some. Uh, so I think he's the guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I think Roquan Smith's going to have a big year for some of the reasons you and I talked about. I think in this system, Roquan, it's funny you mentioned his potential to sack quarterbacks. I said last week I thought this could be a, a six- to eight-sack season for Roquan Smith. I think he's uh, – He's a guy that really will take that next step. Keep an eye on a kid named Bilal Nichols, who was a, a late-round last year, who I thought played very well at times. I think he'll get some more run. Um, but I think, you, you know, there are a lot of – I think, and, and again, I guess the last name I would tell you is, is Allen Robinson. I think is poised for a really big season. He's a year further removed from the ACL. He's going to develop a greater – rapport with Mitch as time goes by. I think statistically, Allen Robinson was probably the guy that was most affected by Mitch's inconsistency. There were several plays over the course of that season where 
he and, and, and Mitch weren't on the same page, and I think Allen's numbers probably don't look as, as impressive, impressive as they could be or, or certainly as impressive as I think they will be this year. So uh, there are a lot of guys, and, you know, it's not to overlook anyone, but, but that's a handful of guys I'd keep an eye on to take a, another step forward. Absolutely. So with, with all that being said, looking at the team this year, Obviously, the team is focused on a Super Bowl championship. In your eyes, what is the minimum this team needs to accomplish where you'd sit there and say that was a successful season coming off of last year? I've always thought, regardless of the sport, if you get to your championship game, okay, whether you're in the AFC and you're in the AFC title game or you're in the NFC and you're in the NFC title game or you're in the NLCS or the ALCS in Major League Baseball, if you are a team that has been built to win, and I think you can say that this Bears team right now is built to win, I think if you can get to the title game, an opportunity to win and then move on and play for a championship, to me, that's the standard. And I think if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, if you're the New Orleans Saints, if you're the Los Angeles Rams, if you're the Chicago Bears, that's your goal for me. Now, you know, there are some people who are greedy and have loftier goals and Listen, it's not that I don't want to win the Super Bowl, but this team is talented enough to get to the NFC title game. And if they get there and for whatever reason they don't advance, to me it's still a successful season. So I would set my sights on being able to play for the right to play in in the Super Bowl. And if they get to that point, I'll be thrilled. And I will tell you that I think they've had one hell of a year. All uh, right, and, and and finish with this. And I don't know if you saw this last night with the with the preseason games. Adam Gase, you know, I know he was here briefly with the Bears, as as a player that I'm pretty sure had to use a smelling salt one or two times. I don't know if you saw Adam Gase voluntarily huffed a smelling salt to get himself jacked up. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Have you ever seen anything so bizarre? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen a coach do it. I've seen some pretty bizarre stuff. <laughs> whether it was Steve McMichael getting ready to play and banging his forehead against his locker or, and he was a, an avid, uh, an avid uh, user of the smelling salts. I, I haven't seen a coach do it. Usually I, they were being administered to me. I wasn't doing it for myself. <laughs> uh, there he is. Tom Waddle. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Say hello to Randy Merkin for me and all the best. You got it. I'll do just that. And thanks so much for having me. All right, there he is, Tom Waddle. Great conversation there, Tom, with a lot of great points. Wanted to hit on a lot of different things with him, whether it be shortening the preseason, because we talk about it all the time, that shortening preseason. But then you talk about guys like Tom Waddle, who were able to establish themselves and have a, a decent NFL career because of those extended time looks in preseason and training camps. So while the grand scheme of things, yes, it makes a lot of sense, to cut it down to two games, I wanted to get his perspective because because if it was a two-game preseason back when Tom Waddle was trying to make the Chicago Bears, he never he maybe never would have made it. So wanted to get his perspective there, obviously, wanted to get his thoughts on the team. And, you know, I think Tom echoes what a lot of us think, and that this season the Bears are set up for greatness, but they have two things. One, kicker, they're working on it, and two, just who is Mitch Trubisky? We all see a lot of the positives. He brought up that fourth quarter of the Eagles game. You cannot, cannot discount that. He looked great in that fourth quarter, set them up to win the game. They should have been playing on NFC Divisional Round Weekend. We don't need to rehash that. Trubisky is the key to this team. If Mitch Trubisky takes the same leap 
forget his PFF grade and all that garbage. If he takes the same leap he did from year one to year two, from year two to year three, and in Andy Reid type offensive systems, there is a huge jump usually from the first year in the system to the second year in the system. So if we see that kind of jump from Mitch Trubisky in his third year in the NFL, this offense is going to be a top 10 offense. And if that's the case, this defense is almost impossible to not be a top five defense. If you have a top five defense and a top 10 offense, you are going to be tough to beat. So a lot on the shoulders of Mitch Trubisky here moving forward as the Bears continue to get ready for week one against the Green Bay Packers. So that's going to do it for Bears banter this week. Bill Zimmerman here. Hope you all enjoy the conversation with Tom Waddle. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another podcast. Until then, bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.